Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Rome, Italy with my new friend Erica Firpo of ericafirpo.com. Her family is from Rome, so the city is in her blood. Erica moved back to Rome after spending a few years in Venice. She loves the art, history, and the architecture of the city and the Roman way of life. In this episode, we talk about touring the Roman Colosseum, exploring the underground catacombs, and eating every flavor of gelato. You'll hear about these three incredible attractions and so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Rome. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Don't you just hate waiting in line for security at the airport? Me too. Even the pre-check lines are slammed most of the time today. That's why I use Clear to skip the lines and get to my flight quicker. For my listeners, I've actually worked out a special deal where you can try Clear for free for two months. This is a limited time offer, so go to wetravelthere.com forward slash clear to sign up today. Hey, Erica, welcome to the show. Hey, Lee. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So today we're talking about Rome, Italy. It's a place that my wife and I went a few years ago, and we absolutely fell in love with it. Plus, as somebody that loves pizza, I got to eat pizza everywhere I went. And so it's like a perfect vacation spot for me. It was amazing to meet you through Travel Massive, so that way you can learn all about Rome. And I'm sure there's a lot of things that I missed when we were there. So we definitely got to go back and visit all the places you're going to talk about. Well, I'm so happy to hear that. I, in fact, I'm smiling because I, I feel like I fall in love with Rome every single day, and I've been here for quite some time. So what's your connection to the city? My mom is from Rome and all my cousins live here. So when I was a kid, whereas people go on like really cool vacations, we came to Rome. And I know that sounds like I'm saying it wasn't a cool vacation. It was great. You know, when people go visit their grandparents, that's what we did. (laughs) So I've always been coming back and forth. And then I moved here full time. I was working in Venice for a little bit in Venice, Italy. And then I was like, I I can't work in Venice. I'm, I'm from Rome. I love Rome. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's one of those things that no matter where your family's at, a lot of times when you go visit them, you don't actually go to see all the cool things in that city. You're basically hanging out on their couch and, and eating. And you know, that's like, that's not a bad thing when you have great, 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 great aunts that are incredible cooks, except every dinner, it's like they're trying to impress. They're trying to one-up their sisters. <laughs> so it's, it's you have to kind of train yourself in advance. I, I feel like it's like marathon eating. Oh, sure. And you got to bring the stretchy pants. So if you had to describe the people or the, the city in just a couple of words, how would you do that? The best word is dynamic. The, the Rome and Romans are the same thing in, in personality. They're, they're very diverse and they're very crazy and they're very calm and they're very not calm. So this is a really, really dynamic city with incredible people. I love it when I visit Rome and other cities in Europe where it's just, there's just so much living history that as you're walking around the city streets, you just see such amazing architecture that is literally hundreds of years old. Coming from America, you, we just don't really have that. And so I'm mesmerized literally every time I walk around the, on the streets out there. It's uh, it's so beautiful. That It's undeniable. And it's incredible because I feel like a lot of people call it the, the strata of Rome, the layers of Rome. I like to think of the city as an onion because it's just pe- you're just peeling away layers all the time, but they're all on top of each other. And it's kind of cool because you could be standing in the center of the city in an early 20th century monument, looking out onto 2,000 years of history behind you and up the street is Renaissance and down down off to the left is a little Baroque. And then at the distance, you're just going to catch that one contemporary piece. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. Well, if people are planning their trip to Rome, like us, when we went, it was uh, in early December. What time of year should they plan on visiting? 
I would say that it's incredible to come to Rome any time of the year. 10 months out of the year, we're sitting in piazza, we're walking around outside, we're enjoying the weather. We're enjoy- Rome is a city that is meant to be enjoyed outside. But the best time for me is September and October because it's got that mix of it's still warm in the daytime and cool in the evening. So it's not, it's not that overwhelming heavy heat of the summer. I do love December. I think December can be great, especially when it's not raining because it's got the slight chill, but it's just so crisp and pretty. And then I'd say like the last week of February and March. I feel like I'm just telling you every single day. (laughs) It's great to visit. If you really want to enjoy Rome, come in October. I I would say October is my favorite month because of the colors, because there's sometimes less traveling. Your kids are back in school, so you have a little bit more of the city to yourself. Oh, sure. Are there certain like festivals or different events that happen throughout the year that maybe if somebody's planning their trip, they want to plan around that? There are many. <laughs> I always try to get my parents to come visit, to come, my, my parents and my sisters, because they live in the States, to come in December, because December 8th is the Festa della Madonna. Well, it's actually the Feast of the Immaculate Conception of the Madonna. And that means it's a holiday in Rome. And there's this really, really cool tradition where the Pope walks from the Vatican to Piazza di Spagna. When he arrives at Piazza di Spagna, there is this big column just off to the side. And there are firemen that have spent all morning putting flowers on top of this statue of the Virgin Mary. And the Pope, at the afternoon, he makes his way there. And so there's these crowds and it's just it's just beautiful. It's a it's a Roman tradition. If you come, I believe it's June 28th it is the Feast of St. Peter and Paul, and they're the patron states of Rome. So it's a holiday. Most people go to the beach. You know, the city kind of clears out of Romans. But if you stay in Rome, for those that stay, they have fireworks because we're celebrating our saints. You know, there, there's like food-tied reasons to come to Rome for festivals. In a few weeks, we're going to be starting the Carnevale season. So it's the, se- the season right before Ash Wednesday. It's like four weeks where there's just a lot of really great treats, and I mean pastries, you know, it ends on Ash Wednesday, or, you know, you can tie it into the carnival season and the Mardi Gras season in uh, Louisiana and in Brazil. But there are so many, I mean, I could, I could name my husband, he's an archaeologist, he would say, come on September 23rd, because that is Augustus's birthday. And there's a light that hits the Pantheon on a certain time, and you should really see it. (laughs) Oh, wow, that's amazing. I, I know my buddy was there even a few years before I went, and he was there actually on Easter Sunday, and he got to see the Pope speak and lead a benediction on Easter, things like that. That's such a like a once in a lifetime experience to be able to to see and experience that. It sounds like pretty much any time of the year you're going to come there. There's something amazing that's going to be happening. There pretty much is. If we're planning to to fly there, we fly into the main airport. What's the airport's name there? It's uh, FCO Leonardo da Vinci Fumicino Fumicino Airport FCO. All right. And so we, we fly into the airport there and getting into the city, do we rent a car? Do we take public transportation? What's the best way to get around? All right. You can rent a car. The only thing that you have to realize is Rome. Uh, it depends on where your hotel is or where your Airbnb, where you're staying. Because if you're staying within the Centro Storico, the historic center, that Centro Storico has traffic rules or they're called ZTL and Varche in Italian, in English, um, traffic, limited traffic zones. And so what happens is a lot of people don't know that. So they rent a car, they come into the city, their hotel's in the center, and they drive the car right to the hotel. And then about two months later, they get a lovely ticket. <laughs> in my suggestion, the best advice to rent a car, also because Rome is such an easy city to get around. So you can take public transportation. There's a train that's called, like it's probably called the Leonardo Diretto. 
that goes directly from the airport to Germany, which is the main central train station in the city. You can also take a taxi and there are fixed fees. And there are actually some buses now that I think about it. I mean, there are some like just airport to city buses. Oh, nice. I don't remember if we took a train or if we took a, a just like we hired a car to take us there to our hotel. We were sitting at the Waldorf Astoria there, like up on the hill. And it was amazing views of, of the city. It was pretty spectacular. And again, from where it was, walking there was probably not the right thing to go to the city center. But they had a shuttle that would take us down to the city center. It was kind of like on a set schedule. We just had to be back there by a certain time. And then once we got down there, it was amazing. We walked everywhere. We did not miss having a car at all when we were visiting. That's what a lot of people tell me when they get here. Because at first they, they arrive and they're like, do we need a car? Can we take a taxi here? And I'm like, trust me, it's so easy to walk in this city. And where you were saying, it's called the Cavalieri. What's great is their bus takes you there. It's a lovely bus shuttle and it takes you to Piazza Barberini. There's no better location because from there, you know, you can walk to Trevi, you can, you can walk to the Coliseum, you can walk to the Spanish Steps. It's super duper easy. Obviously, it was an amazing hotel, but like you said, just from like where it dropped us off, it, it couldn't have been a better location for being able to walk everywhere. So with it, let's talk about like where people should stay. I mean, obviously, not everybody's going to be able to afford the Waldorf. I certainly normally wouldn't be able to. I was using points. You know, uh, Waldorf is generally not in my budget, but. Aside from that, where should people look at staying when they're visiting Rome? I mean, I think it depends on what kind of traveler that you are and when, what you want and also kind of what time of year. So, for example, if you were telling me, Eric, I'm coming at the end of June and July, August, I would say, OK, the hotel, the Waldorf Astoria, the Cavalieri where you stayed is perfect because it has a pool. <laughs> I, I would suggest hotels that are in areas where the air is not going to be as heavy and that potentially have a pool. So there's one that's in Villa Borghese. Villa Borghese is a big park that's just north of the city center. And when I mean just north, I mean literally it's a two-minute walk to the center. And then there's another hotel kind of bordering edge of Trastevere where it meets um, the Borgo, which is where St. Peter's is. There's another hotel there that also has a pool. Like it's, I think there's, there's actually also Monteverde, which is north of Trastevere, so about 15 minute walk west of the very center of Rome and um, uphill. But it, since it's uphill, the air is great because by the time you're here in, in June, the air is really, really hot. And it's, I mean, the, the weather is just hot, but the air is stifling. I would also probably suggest, like, I do like the Trastevere neighborhood. I like the Monti neighborhood. There's a few really cute hotels in the Aventine. The Aventine is by the Circus Maximus. So it's a little, this niche neighborhood that's very residential. And I'm, I'm going to have to say I'm partial to the neighborhood I live in, which is on the edge of the ghetto. It's called Regola. It's really central. We have markets near us and there are some great hotels around us. And it's just where, where I am, you can walk everywhere. You don't need to do anything. It's great. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that, there's so many options available. Now, let's talk about some of the attractions uh, that are there in Rome. Obviously, let's talk just like a minute or two about some of the major ones. And let's talk about some of the things that maybe people wouldn't normally think of when they come to Rome and, and that they should really make sure that they visit. Every single one of us is just going to say it, the Colosseum, Vatican City, so St. Peter's and the Vatican Museums and the Roman Forum are the biggest attractions in this city. Everybody wants to be there, so they are busy. Everybody should see them, whether you see them from the outside. I often suggest going in and seeing the artwork and walking around the Colosseum. So those are the biggest and most important sites. And then there's also, I mean, you're talking to an art lover here. I'm a super art nerd. So I could also tell you my opinion, the other sites that are pretty incredible, like Galleria Borghese, which is a late Renaissance Baroque gallery. 
There's Villa Julia, which is an Etruscan collection. I mean, there is so much incredible art in this city. Two days, three days, it's not enough. I feel like you have to live here for a little bit. Yeah, my, my wife would definitely agree. She's always trying to get me to, to move to Europe for a few years. Uh, I'm not quite ready for that. I, I love visiting. I'm not sure if I want to live there yet, but uh, I can imagine it'd be pretty wonderful. Yeah. I mean, you should give it a try if you can. I always encourage people to do it. It's, you know, it all, it's also a mentality. You have, to, you have to be in the right mentality to do it. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, quick question. When we were there, we did get to go through the Forum and we did get to visit the Vatican City. One thing that we messed up, though, is we did not book ahead of time to go into the Coliseum. How far in advance would you suggest people book the tickets to go to the Coliseum? Obviously, right now during coronavirus, a lot of things are probably closed. Or if they are open, there's not a long lines because people aren't really traveling. But in normal times, how far in advance should we do that? In general, when it's something like that's such a big attraction, like the Coliseum, I say once you know when you're coming to Rome, book it. I think they give you like two and a half months. So so if you know you're going to be here in Rome on the 15th of May, then you can't book it, I think, until the 1st of March. I say things like the Colosseum and the Vatican, just don't wait till the last minute because you know you're going to want to see them. My younger sister is the kind of person who, you know, she never likes to make plans or organize. And I totally get it. And I think it's great. But I always tell her, I'm like, if you're going to do it, if you're going to come to Rome or if you're going to go anywhere where there is a big attraction like that, just book it in advance. So that way you don't find yourself saying, I never got to go in. Yeah. During our trip, we messed up of seeing the Coliseum, the insides, especially now that the, I think the catacombs are open, right? Where you can actually go underneath and explore some of that as well. They're not catacombs there. It's a hippogeum. So catacombs are outside of the city limits of the old city limits, but a hippogeum is the underground area where they were the waiting cells. Yes. I knew I was making the wrong, <laughs> using the wrong words, but, but overall, yeah, you, you got the, you got the gist of it there. Yeah. But we messed up not being able to see some of those. Same thing. We went up to Milan and uh, I didn't know about registering ahead of time to be able to go in to see the Last Supper, you know, that painting and, and everything. And so, so we really messed up by not being able to see those. And I'm really good at planning, like the actual vacation, but sometimes the actual attractions, I'm, I'm not so good at planning sometimes. I'm going to tell you something. I have been, been coming to Italy all my life. I love art. I've gone to Milan a bajillion times. Again, I'm going to say I studied art, so this is even worse. I have just went to see the Last Supper in person. I think it was two years ago, maybe three. So don't worry that you didn't realize that because I think I think what ends up happening is that there are certain things that you have to book in advance. Some of the technology that enables you to book things in advance just isn't quite there yet or is a little bit difficult to navigate, like getting tickets for the Last Supper, the Chinacolo. I think the site's gotten better, but sometimes it's not, it's not quite up to date, but yes, <laughs> definitely things like that, that are kind of like once in a lifetime, I say book it in advance. And then there's like the, the happy flip side where, you know, what, when you ask me some of the things that people don't expect, you mentioned the catacombs, the catacombs are really cool, but what people kind of take for granted in Rome where they don't realize is there is a whole underground world in Rome of houses and temples and sites that you can actually walk through and you don't need to book any of that in advance. You know, you'll probably have to schedule it the day you're going, maybe a day before, but you don't have to book it like like the Colosseum. That's good to know. And then there's also the the Rome Pass, right? And that, that should obviously give you some sort of benefits through some of these attractions as well, right? Yeah, they have, a, they have two different versions. So they have like, I think it's like the 72 hour and the 48 hour, which is great because you get two free entrances and then discounted entrances for everything else. The Roma Pass also enables you for cert- for the f- certain sites to, there's a sp- oftentimes a special line just for them, or they have an easier function for booking 
for like advanced reservation. And then I think you, you also get a bus pass, which is great. It's a good solution. My husband's favorite museum is Museo Nazionale, which is the National Museum for Archaeology. And if you buy the slightly more expensive ticket, you get access to five sites. You just have to enter them within three days, which is cool. One of the sites is this incredible Baths of Diocletian. You know, another site is the Roman collection. So it's got like on the top floor in situ dining rooms from, you know, these these frescoed dining rooms from this site from the first century, you know, and it's got all these statuary. It's pretty cool. Another one actually also has another huge excavation. I mean, it's in the middle of the city that you would never expect because when you walk around, that's one of those excavation sites that you can't see because there are apartments all around that, that surround it. And then all of a sudden, when you go into the museum, you're like, wait a minute, the whole back area is blown out and there's this huge excavation. That sounds incredible. Wow. It's, a, it's amazing that what you have in, in your city that we just have, we have no idea what, what it's like here in the, in the U.S. We could probably spend all day talking about all the attractions, but we also don't want to miss about on the food because obviously, one, I love pizza. And two, Italian food has to be just amazing that, there. It's incredible. And Lee, I have to ask you, did you notice the kind of pizza that you had in Rome? Do you remember how it was like really thin and crunchy? There was some of that. And then there was also some that was a little bit more like almost like Detroit style where it was a little thicker. Oh, interesting. We found, one, we found a couple of places like that. Yeah. So just so you know, when you, the thicker one, that's definitely not Roman. So that means that was probably Neapolitan. Okay. Because the thing about Roman pizza is Roman pizza is really thin. It's almost like a piece of paper. And it kind of is really crunchy. And then when it gets thicker, that's when you know you're having Neapolitan pizza, which is, don't tell my family, I love pizza from Napoli more than I love Roman pizza. But that's okay. <laughs> so food here is incredible. And my favorite dish is carbonara. I don't know if you've ever had that. I don't know if I have, but uh, my wife is more of the foodie than I am, but I'm sure she definitely has. It's kind of like the poster child of Roman dishes. It, it's a pasta that's made with guanciale, which is cured pork, like the cheek of a pork and um, egg and pecorino and, and parmigiano, like grated pe- pecorino and parmigiano, a little pepper I like to put in there. To me, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. I could eat it every single day of my life. It's kind of heavy too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. There, there's so many amazing places. I literally, I was so happy. It's almost like um, when you walk around the US, there's like a Starbucks in every corner. Everywhere I walked in, in Rome, there was a pizza place. And I was like, I was just like in heaven as I was walking around there. What are some of the other places that we should eat? I recommend Flavio Villavodetto. And I will spell that out for you whenever you watch. Um, <laughs> it is a great restaurant. It's all Roman cuisine. So, it's, you know, you have Grisha, you have Carbonara, Amatriciana. So you have the, the, the holy triumvirate of Roman cuisine as well as, so I think a lot of people don't realize there's like, those are the primi, the pastas are the first dishes. And then there are the secondi, which are the meat or the fish dishes. And um, they have excellent saltimbocca, which is like a really thin piece of veal cooked with white wine and a little prosciutto, which is lovely, or straccetti, which is thin pieces of beef cooked with a little bit of uh, balsamic vinegar and maybe some arugula, depending on how you want to serve it. There's Dardanillo, which is one of my favorite places for carbonara. Then there's another place that I think is pretty cool called Armando. He's by the Pantheon. And oh, by the way, I also forgot to say Cacio Pepe is like another big dish that's just pasta with pecorino and uh, pepper. So Armando, he's also a specialist in Roman cuisine, but lately they were also researching ancient Roman dishes. So they've kind of incorporated a little bit of 2000 years of history within what they're making. And they have a great wine list. And then I have another one of my favorite restaurants is called Retro Bottega. And there are these two guys, Giuseppe and Alessandro, who 
Whereas something like Armando and Flavio and Danilo might be what people imagine or envision when they think of the typical Roman trattoria. Retropotheque is really modern, and these guys are very contemporary in what they make. Then they have on the side, next to their restaurant, they have a little pasta lab that I love where they make pasta. It's called Retropasta, and they make it right in front of you, but again, super modern. like It's almost like an art gallery, and it's, it's kind of cool because they research pasta dish, like pasta shapes that not everybody knows that have been disappearing, and they oftentimes it's stuffed pasta, so like a plin or a tortellini, and they come up with really creative ways to fill it. It's so cool to have them experiment like that and, and bring back some different pasta shapes that we just have never seen. And it's the same pasta, right? But it, the way that they mix it and the way that they mix it together, that, that just adds that extra flavor that you're not going to find anyplace else. Exactly. That is so amazing. Say if we're getting ready to go out for a long day, uh, where should we go for just like an amazing breakfast uh, to kind of fill us up before we head out and exploring? So just a, a tip for everybody to know is that Breakfast here, the, the typical Roman breakfast is what we call a cappuccino and cornetto. You don't have to have a cappuccino, you can have an espresso and a cornetto, which is like a croissant. Basically, that concept of breakfast is not necessarily like a big breakfast, doesn't really happen. But lately, there's a place called Marigold in Testaccio Ostiense that is really great because they have a lot of like great buns and they'll, they'll do a little breakfasty thing. They, they've really gotten into the sweet style of brunch, which I like. Rosholi, the Rosholi Cafe, is a great cafe that has tons and tons and tons of pastries and they've been doing more breakfast things as well. So those are two great places that I particularly love for breakfast. When we were at the, the Waldorf, I'm a, a Hilton Diamond member as part of our you know benefits, we were able to, to go into the buffet there at, at the Waldorf. It was the probably the biggest spread of of a buffet that I've ever seen, other than Vegas. And but one of the things that I, that really intrigued me there was two things. One, these little things that look kind of like donut holes, but they were like much lighter pastry. Those were pretty amazing, and I don't remember what they were called. Were they filled? They weren't filled. No. Oh, okay. So those were really amazing. Probably had like two or three servings of those. <laughs> uh, and then they also had fresh honeycomb. And that oh. was the first time ever I've ever had that. And it was delightful. I mean, my God, I, I, it's like heaven was right there on your tongue. It was pretty, it was pretty amazing. Mm, and that's really good for you too. Now, I remember when we were walking around, there was a, several different places that had the gelato. And, and you look there, it, just amazing flavors and amazing different concoctions and, and mixtures together. And I don't remember the, exactly the name of it, but maybe you know a couple places where people should stop by and, and grab some gelato as they're walking around the town. Leah, I think you're thinking about Fata Morgana, maybe, because Fata Morgana has a few different places around the city, and they have some of the most creative gelato. My daughters love it, also because they have vegan gelato. They have the traditional flavors, but they'll have, I love chocolate. They have like four different kinds of, five different kinds of different chocolates sourced from all over, ethically sourced. I tried black garlic there. Not necessarily what I want to have every day, but it was <laughs> worth a try. I personally love gelateria that's part of a cafe called Champini. They only have 10 flavors. And uh, Sergio, the gelatayo, has been making me gelato since, I think, 2006. I taught him how to make a milkshake. So if you see it there on the menu, that's thanks to me. <laughs> and then my husband loves this old school place called Joliti, which has been around for almost 100 years. You know what? I'm going to have to like jump on the grenade and I'm going to have to offer to go to all three of them and try all three just to make sure that they're all good. I will do that. I'll take you. I will sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, that's amazing. I can talk all, all day long about the attractions and the food. We had such a wonderful time and my wife keeps begging me to go back and we're definitely going to have to do that once COVID's passed. I'm so happy to hear that. 
like I said, we can talk about it all day, but it's, now it's time for the final countdown. So if somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Rome, where should they go and what should they eat? Luciano Cucina Carbonara. Best carbonara you'll ever have in your life. That sounds amazing. Yeah, the way you described it, like, I'm ready to like, hop on a plane right now and go try some. Now, you've been living in Rome for, for a number of years now. What's one of your most memorable stories? When I was 18 and I was here and my cousin Giampiero was like, hey, we're going to go out tonight. We're going to go to the Palatino. And me, being a girl from Philadelphia, got all dressed up, had these cute kitten heels. And my cousin and his friend Fabio picked me up at midnight. I thought we were going to a discoteca. We went to the Roman Forum and may have entered an area. And I was wearing like a mini skirt and kitten heels. And I was... <laughs> in the Roman Forum, dressed like that, but that doesn't matter. I was in, it was like, I was in history in the, at midnight. It was incredible. If anybody's listening from the authorities, that never happened. That's just it was a not dream. I, I don't have a cousin. Yeah, <laughs> but what a wonderful experience. I mean, it's nowadays things are so locked down and stuff like that. You probably can't have these type of experiences you know, for like our kids growing up and those type of things. But the things we were able to do and, and the things that our parents were able to do, I'm sure they did even crazier things. So it, it's just, cements these awesome memories in your mind. Now, speaking of happy times, where's the happiest happy hour in Rome? My favorite happy hour, my happiest happy hour is Drink Kong. I love Patrick. He's Irish-Italian bartender and makes the most incredible cocktails on earth. You know, and if you want, like, a really social scene, then I tell everybody to go to um, Piazza Farnese. There's a bar in the corner that is constantly overflowing. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool to, one, just have that little expat experience, maybe with the, with the Irish bartender, but also to get something like that local experience as well. I think that's a good combination to have both of those. I have to stress, Patrick is homegrown. He's born and raised in Rome. He just happens to be half Irish. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Now, my favorite question, what's the best place for pepperoni pizza? I feel like you're preaching to the choir. It's such a good question. I love pepperoni pizza. It doesn't exist in Rome. You can get pizza with salami picante. So that's basically getting like spicy salami, but it's not pepperoni. However, I have something perfect for you. It's called pizza picante al taglio. So it's the kind of pizza that it's a little bar. It's a stand-up bar. You walk in, you tell them exactly how much you want, you know, by the weight or by the dimensions, and they make it picante. So it's a red sauce that's really spicy. Supli al telefono. Oh, nice. One thing I learned, yeah, pepperoni basically means that they're going to give you little small peppers on the, on the pizza. That's wrong to me. That's wrong. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, what, do you, what do you do to my pizza? Right? And then what I learned was... If you want pepperoni pizza, it's a diavola. Diavola. Okay, yeah, I, I, I mispronounced that. Diavola? Yeah. Okay, nice. So, okay, so yeah, if you want pepperoni pizza, it's diavola. Remember that if you're American going into, into Rome, don't ask for pepperoni. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to get something that you're not expecting. You get vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, we met through Travel Massive. You have your own travel site and you have a podcast. So, obviously, you know a ton about travel. What's one of your best travel tips? I always say be curious and trust your gut instinct. That's the best thing I could tell anyone. Yeah, absolutely. You, sometimes your your sixth sense just goes off and tells you, eh, maybe you shouldn't walk down that street. Exactly. Well, Erica, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing so many fascinating tips. I've had so many wonderful memories like come back up as we're talking about Rome, and I, I can't wait to come back and visit. But can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then if they have questions about Rome, what's the best way for them to reach you on social media? Alrighty. Well, I'm a journalist. I write for a bunch of different publications and I have my own website, which is ciaobella.co. And I have a podcast where I talk to 21st century contemporary creators and based in Italy. And you can find that it's called Ciao Bella as well. And you can find that on Spotify and Apple and anywhere where you get a podcast. 
And to find me on social media, it's pretty easy. It's just my name on Instagram, Erica, E-R-I-C-A. F-I-R-P-O. And that's probably the best way to reach out to me because I'm, I'm a chatterbox, as you can tell. So send me a message on Instagram, send me a message on Twitter. On Twitter, it's a personal nickname. So you can look me up on my name, but you might find this other girl that my dad has tweeted to and he keeps saying he never respond. But instead, <laughs> my yeah, <laughs> it's good to know, dad. Thank you. Moshirina is my name on Twitter, M-O-S-E-R-I-N-A and Moshirina. And then it says, you know, in the subject, it says, it's Erica. Just definitely send me a message on Twitter. You can send me a message on Instagram. You can send me a message on my website. I love being asked questions. I love, I love talking with anyone. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I really appreciate that. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to take it at the Pizza Picante because I think you'll like it. What a fun conversation with Erica. You can find all the links we talked about at wetravelthere.com forward slash Rome. We want to say thank you to Clear for being today's affiliate partner. Clear keeps you moving through airports, stadiums, and more with their exclusive touchless ID verification technology. Take advantage of our special limited time offer where you can try Clear free for two months. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Clear to sign up today. Join us next time as we head to Nairobi, Kenya to speak with my new friend Robert Bell of robertabell.com. In this episode, Robert and I talk about taking a safari walk, the waterfalls of the Karura Forest, and the authentic music and dances at the Bomas of Kenya. You'll be able to join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe, that we don't miss any of our upcoming destinations. 